This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's July 15th, 2022. And today here on Sorta Awesome, we have hauled in a big old bag of questions from you, our awesomes. And joining me today is my dear friend and longtime co-host, the creator of SimplyRebecca.com. And today she's the designated master of listener mail, Rebecca Hoffer. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. I am honored to be here for this jam-packed Q&A. Oh my goodness. Yes. First of all, it kind of harkens back to our roots. Years ago, years and years ago, 2015. Oh my gosh, it was a different lifetime ago, I think. We used to do listener questions, listener Q&A all the time. And it was so fun, wasn't it? I mean, (laughs) it was fun until we realized, oh my goodness, we are not licensed therapists. And this (laughs) is well beyond what we are able to tackle in a podcast. (laughs) That is true. That is very true. We did have to check ourselves and be like, we really shouldn't be doling out this level of advice. (laughs) (laughs) We had some really great questions. We would get questions about meal plan, you know, or like managing the house. And then we would get some questions that were just relationship related where we're Mm -hmm. like, I can't, I cannot help you. Maybe we need to rethink the structure of this show. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Yes. Well, we thought it would be fun to revisit, go back to our roots and do a little listener mailbox. We put out the call for questions on both Instagram and in the sort of awesome hangout group. You guys came through with some incredible questions. In fact, so many very awesome, very amazing questions that we decided to take all of this and kind of break it down into two parts. So today you're getting part one. And these are the questions that you guys have that are really specific about Sort of Awesome. Our origin story, the behind the scenes stuff that maybe you don't know is going on and you have questions about. This is going to be kind of all things Sort of Awesome and how we as women who have been doing this show for seven years, how it impacts our lives, those types of things. Then next month, we're going to come back with part two and get to all the really good personal life stuff. So we have so many amazing questions that you guys had for us. We're going to get to all of that here in a bit. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes, to the show that loves to support you in becoming smart, strong, and social. And if you've been looking for amazing women to connect with and a community that will support you no matter what age or stage of life you are in, I'm really happy to tell you that you've come to the right place. If you're enjoying Sorta Awesome, make sure you have subscribed so you never miss a new episode from us. And come and connect with one of our online communities. I was just talking about our Instagram or Sorta Awesome Hangout. I highly recommend if you have not yet joined the Sorta Awesome Hangout on Facebook, come over and join us. Summer is a time 
when we all need a little extra support, a little reassurance from our friends, like, am I crazy or is this a little bit weird? We need that friend feedback. We need someone to be honest with us in the most loving way possible. And sometimes we just need travel recommendations. If you have a need in your life for community, come to the Hangout. We are there for you. So Rebecca, I know you're often active over there. And don't you think summer is a time when it really, I mean, heats up (laughs) in the Hangout? (laughs) Yes. I think summer and the holidays are the best time to be part of that group because there's just so much quality crowdsourcing happening there as well as just validation about the struggles and the stress that come with the season while always helping to find the awesome amidst all of that. So 100% join us at the Hangout. Yeah. And it's super easy to find. Just go on Facebook, search Sword Awesome Hangout. You will find us there and join thousands of other awesomes who like to hang out there as well. So Rebecca and I do have so many questions to get to, but of course, you know, we got to start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. If you're new to Sort of Awesome, Awesome of the Week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life just a little bit more awesome right now, whether it is a book or a TV show, movie, podcast, product, something bringing a little extra sparkle to our days. Rebecca, we were just talking off mic about the fact that we haven't got to sit down and talk face to face and catch up on things for a while. I mean, it's summer. We're kind of out of sync, out of our groove. So I don't even know what you got for Awesome of this week. I can't wait to hear about it, though. Well, my awesome of the week is the docu-series on Netflix called Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey. Okay. This documentary series is so intense. It's so good. Okay. Did you see it, Meg? No. Several people have messaged to say, you need to watch it. Have you watched it? I would love to hear your thoughts. I know the general story of the Warren Jeffs sect of fundamentalist Mormonism. And I know enough about it to know that I'm just like not ready for something that intense right now. But I have been curious how the series turned out. So I can't wait to hear all about it. Well, you tap into a really good point that this is not necessarily for everyone. So knowing what it's about going in will definitely help you assess whether it is for you to hit play on or to skip. And both are very respectable choices. So let me tell you what it's about. First of all, it is a four episode series that covers events that happened in the 90s and the 2000s. It follows Rulon Jeff, the head of the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is an extremist shoot-off of the Mormon Church, and then later follows his son, Warren Jeff. So Rulon and then later his son, Warren, are considered to be prophets and spiritual leaders in their community. They believed that polygamy was an important part of their faith, And in order for a man to reach the highest level of spiritual excellence, he needed to have multiple wives. I think I remember that he needed like at least three wives to get to the highest levels of heaven. Okay. Warren Jeff had 78 wives. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Just let that sink in. Just let that (laughs) sink in. Yes. And this is real life. Happened in the 90s, in the 2000s, this was reality. Okay, so Keep Sweet is about money. It's about power, polygamy, and spiritual abuse. It is not graphic, but at times it is hard to watch as they uncover the truth about so many underage girls being forced into arranged polygamy marriages. 
Nate and I watched this together, and we both thought it was very well done and utterly devastating. If you have an interest in true crime, in cults, or in documentaries in general, I would recommend checking out Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey on Netflix. All right. I'm glad you told me that it was a good overall documentary experience because I do think that Netflix has done some fantastic documentaries, docuseries. Sometimes with the storytelling on these, you never know how it's going to all turn out. So I'm glad to hear that it was as much as you could say enjoyable (laughs) or it's like a rewarding experience in terms of how the docuseries turned out. Well, and that's actually a good point too, is that there is this storyline of redemption that kind of goes throughout the docuseries as they are interviewing people who have left the cult and who have been able to step outside of that and see for themselves. And you're hearing about their journeys while they were part of that church, as well as their life outside of it now. And that brings this element of hopefulness, I would say. Rather than it just being 100% doom and gloom. Mm. I mean, it's still not a great story, but there is this sense of we're speaking to people who found a way out of that intense spiritual abuse. Yeah, yeah. And oftentimes with difficult subject matter, any kind of redemption or like empowering of victims of things can really can really bring the storytelling to a new level. So that's super Mm -hmm. interesting over on Netflix. Okay. My Awesome of the Week is somewhat adjacent to Netflix, I guess. As you know, I am obsessed with Stranger Things, which is a Netflix original series. And because you are a citizen of TikTok, as I am, you may know that the song, the Kate Bush song, Running Up That Hill, is everywhere this summer, which we've kind of talked about. Rebecca, my awesome of the week is I did not know that Kate Bush, that song, the album that that is from, was part of a bigger movement in alt pop in the 80s and kind of going into the 90s. So I have a playlist for you guys that I found via the Two Bossy Dames newsletter, which we've talked about. That was an awesome of the week of mine years ago. Two Bossy Dames. I still read it, still love it. And they introduced me to this subgenre of pop music called ecto ecto like ecto like ghostly right Mm -hmm. (laughs) which you know if you think about that song you kind of get the vibe right yeah a little ethereal i'm sorry (laughs) i'm kind of having a hard time holding it together like i am so delighted by how on brand this awesome of the week is every (laughs) sentence that you share makes it more and more and more Meg Teets stranger things a playlist that you got from a newsletter (laughs) these ethereal things I'm like tearing up because I'm like kind of trying to contain my giddiness or this is just oh my goodness keep going Look, Rebecca, this you're the one that so told me to love what I love. I'm just. <laughs> I, and I love that you love it. I'm not hating it. On the contrary, I'm trying to hold back. I just wanted to like scream and like shake your shoulders and be like, 
This is so you. <laughs> I literally, I oh had tears my gosh. Like, leaking out. I was trying to hold it in. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay, I gotta catch my breath. I gotta. This you, has a we? true okay. crime twist to it. I am gonna fall over. <laughs> no, but see, you already brought the true crime in. This is my okay. influence on you. I didn't even have to bring true crime this week. <laughs> So true. <laughs> okay. Yes. Ecto was this sub genre, sub movement in pop music. It was really mostly British centered, but it did include some American performers and artists. It's almost all women, but so women performers like Jewel or Tori Amos, Sarah McLaughlin, they were all considered to kind of be part of this Ecto style of music. It's female vocals. It is kind of, I don't know how to say it other than ethereal. I don't know. It's really, really fantastic music. And so to find a whole playlist that has 83 songs on it. I know I didn't make oh, this playlist. Wow. I did That's not. Um, yeah. The Numero group is a group that kind of does archival work with music. And so they had put together this playlist called cloud busting and so i'm going to link to the playlist if you have heard either because you watched stranger things or didn't either way like i said running up that hill is everywhere this summer so if you've heard it and if you're digging the vibe if you're like i kind of want more of that or if you just want to check out this movement in music that was very female driven just really really great vintage retro music I highly recommend this playlist. It's called Cloud Busting. I will put it in the show notes so you guys can go over to Spotify and listen too and think about me and how much I love to nerd out about things like this. (laughs) (laughs) It's perfect. It's perfect. It truly has been my awesome of the week, 100%. So those are awesomes for us this week. We will put links in the show notes so you guys can go check out our awesomes. But more importantly, we want to know What is awesome in your life? Come and find us in one of our online communities, again, at Sorta Awesome Show on Instagram or over on Facebook in the Sorta Awesome Hangout group because we love, love, love to hear what is awesome in your life every week. You guys bring so much awesome and sparkle to our lives with your suggestions, your stories. We love to see what's happening in your family that's awesome. So come make sure that you have told us about your awesome of the week. Rebecca, we got a lot to get to. I'm feeling a little sweaty palmed already knowing we're gonna be in the hot seat and mostly me so (laughs) (laughs) yes ma'am get ready (laughs) we're gonna get to all of that when we come right back all right awesomes you guys know me i always have a pair of earbuds in my ear because i'm always listening to something whether it's the latest and greatest new audiobook that i'm totally into a true crime podcast or one of my many many Spotify playlists. So, you know, I'm really picky about the earbuds that I use. And that is why I am super 1000% loving my Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon's everyday earbuds, those are the ones I have. They look, feel, and sound better than ever. They have these optimized gel tips that get you that perfect in-ear fit. 
And during the summer, when I have all these kids around me all the time, (laughs) you know I'm using that noise isolation mode. With my Raycons, the earbud tap functions let you tap between what kind of noise isolation you want to have, which is a complete lifesaver for me. And bonus, Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. So awesomes, go to buyraycon.com slash sorta today to get 15% off of your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash sorta to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash sorta. Okay, friends, I need to talk to the grown-up awesomes because this is a very grown-up topic and it's something that so many awesomes have been absolutely buzzing about. Stop right now and imagine the best orgasm or sex that you've ever had. Now, Imagine that it could be even better with products that were designed to naturally enhance sexual pleasure and give you access to bigger and better orgasms solo or with a partner. You're going to get that with Foria. Foria is using all natural and plant-based ingredients to intensify sexual pleasure and relieve discomfort. And the Foria product that many, many awesomes have told me they are very into, and I myself am loving too, is the Awaken Arousal Oil. It's like this really sensual warm-up that helps you get so turned on, increasing your pleasure, deepening your orgasms with a partner or solo. Again, I just have to tell you so many of our awesomes are so into the Foria products. And you know, when the awesomes are into it, it's really great stuff. So yes, you have my permission to try this. I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself to more, deeper, fuller pleasure wherever you can find it and as often as possible. And you can start with a bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal for you awesomes. You can get 20% off of your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash awesome or use code awesome at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash awesome for 20% off of your first order. I recommend trying both the Awaken Arousal Oil and the Sex Oil together. You guys are going to thank me later. Okay, we are back. And again, we put out this call for questions and we were blown away by how many incredible questions you awesomes had for us. I mean, truly, we haven't done this for a while. I guess you guys have been saving up some questions. (laughs) And we really (laughs) tapped into that. (laughs) A lot of the questions we're going to talk about today do go back to the origins of Sorta Awesome, where this idea came from. Again, we've been making this podcast since 2015. So we've got a lot of history here. And then also, I love that you guys really drew out some questions that kind of focus on who we are as people and how our personalities, how our approaches to life, the way we've set up our lives kind of impact the making of Sorta Awesome and how Sorta Awesome has impacted our lives. So, Rebecca, you're going to take over on the mailbox here and pull out some of these questions to ask. So I guess let's get into it. Let's get into it. So starting with a question from Anna, she wants to know how long was Sorta Awesome an idea before it became a podcast and how long was the show going before you started making an income from it? Okay. Well, I would say Sorta Awesome was an idea. I knew I wanted to begin making a podcast probably in late 2014. 2014 is the year when I started listening to a lot of podcasts. Of course, there weren't a ton of them at that time. I'd been on Tish Oxenreiter's podcast occasionally, and I loved the experience of being on the microphone. I often credit her with kind of launching sort of awesome behind the scenes because 
actually having a microphone and just the whole experience of preparing what you're going to say and just the back and forth of conversation. I owe all of that to Tish for sure. But I think it was like late 2014 going into 2015 that I started to think I could do this and I want to do this. Those of you who've been around for a long time have heard me say before that beginning sort of awesome was a big part of my healing process from postpartum depression, which I had terribly after my twins were born in 2013. And really was about a year of really, really battling that depression before I really kind of started to come out of that fog. And as I began to get some energy back and kind of have a better sense of self is when the idea to start a podcast really started to take hold for me. And as you all know, if you've been around for a long time, I had no background in audio production. (laughs) I have a degree in English. I had been blogging for over 10 years. I had co-written a book. But I had no idea how to create a podcast. So thank goodness for YouTube and Google. I just taught myself how. And that was a really big accomplishment for me, you know, Rebecca, just to start from scratch. It was a huge accomplishment. And I think as we continue to talk about the story, you'll see a lot of points where things were collaborative between Meg and the co-hosts at the time. But it cannot be understated how much work and heavy lifting Meg did behind the scenes with all the technical stuff. I mean, to this day, I do not know a thing about how to manage a podcast. Sometimes people will ask me questions about, you know, how to get started in it. And I'm like, listen, I don't know. I've got the best setup in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Meg figured it all out. I just show up with my microphone and I barely know how to plug that in. She really did (laughs) so much work. And you're right. I think the conversation was happening a lot in 2014 among bloggers in general of this idea of launching podcasts and starting podcasts. And I think we were in a group together and there was a lot of conversation happening even in that group of, should I do a podcast? Should you do a podcast? What would your podcast be about? I remember I had this idea in my mind that if I were to start a podcast, it was going to be called So Excited because Anytime that somebody was a guest on another podcast, they'd always be like, hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be talking about this today. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. That's still what everybody says. And I thought that would be the perfect name for my podcast. So excited. (laughs) It's actually a great concept. And I still think you could make that work. (laughs) It might be taken by now. That was a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. We were all kind of collectively having conversations as blogging had changed so much. Social media changed the way blogging worked so much. And a lot of us were kind of looking for some different projects. So yeah, in terms of how long was the show going before we started to make an income from it? Rebecca, help me remember this, because I feel like towards the end of 2016 is when we launched our Patreon. Does that feel right? Was it 2016 or 2017? I can't remember. I want to say it was towards the end of 2016. I really don't even know. But did we have sponsors before Patreon? I want to say that it was kind of around that time that we started with our very first. Now, we had a couple of completely privately booked small businesses that were not going through an agency or anything that we had sprinkled in. It was not anything consistent. When we started Patreon, it really in the beginning just covered the operating costs and things have definitely grown from there. But The ins and outs, the day-to-day work of it all, we did for well over a year with 
just doing it for love and passion and community and really no compensation in any way. You know, monetarily, there is the emotional right. compensation. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, it took us a while. And also back in those days to be monetized, you needed to be like a significant show, like a pretty big show on a pretty big network. Things have changed a lot since then. But 2015, 2016, unless you were kind of top in the charts, it hadn't really trickled down into monetizing that size of podcast yet. So yes, very true. Okay, so Kay asks, I'd love to hear about the podcast origin and how the concept evolved, how the hosts were chosen and approached, and how y'all agreed on how to make it all work. Do you guys have a contract or something like that? Okay, those are great questions. And again, some of you longtime awesomes know we've kind of hit on some of these before, so I'm going to try to condense it down. But again, I had this idea for a podcast. And I knew I wanted it to be like, sit down, talk about interesting things. We didn't even know at the time when it was starting that it was going to be sort of awesome or that it was going to have an awesome angle or certainly that our community would become the awesomes. I just knew that I loved listening to shows like Tisha's show, for example, which was Simple Mom back in those days and things like Pop Culture Happy Hour where it was very engaging that people were talking about a topic, but you also got to know the hosts as people as they talked about these topics they cared about. And so I knew that I wanted to ask some people to be regular on there. Again, looking back at Tisha's podcast, she had kind of a stable of regulars. We would come in and rotate through, you know, there were six or eight of us. So you kind of got to know people over time. I knew I wanted to have that vibe for my podcast. So Laura Tremaine and I have known each other for years. She's been one of my closest, dearest friends since high school. So she was an easy ask. I knew that between the two of us <laughs> to this day, it doesn't matter if we talked today, last week, a month ago, when we talk, I mean, there's never enough time for all the words we have. So I knew that she would be an easy ask. Rebecca, like you said, we were in a group that was primarily about blogging and online work, and our group had really moved into lots of conversations on the app Voxer, which we still use to this day. And you and I, we even kind of spun off from that group and started to have just, what would you say, <laughs> like private conversations? Yeah, one-on-one. -on -one just chatting. the two of us, one-on-one. -on -one. That's the word I'm looking for, one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> and we just clicked. Like, I just, I don't know. Again, I think we're both extroverts. We both have a lot of words. We both kind of see things similarly, but not exactly the same. And I don't even know, like, I would not say we were like close friends at the time. No, I don't think we were. It, it was, no, I don't think we were. <laughs> yeah. It was a leap of faith, but I think it paid off. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. A bigger leap for you than it was for me, for sure. To be like, I guess, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> Have you ever made a podcast before? <laughs> Trust me, that is not what I was thinking. I was like, I guess. Have you ever talked to me before? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And then Kelly and I have known each other for many years through blogging. Back when Daisy, who's now 17, my oldest, was a baby, is when I met Kelly online through blogging. And we later were part of a, a different blogging online work group that primarily lived on Facebook. And I don't know, again, we just we had talked on Voxer before. I think Kelly has a gorgeous voice and she brings that kind of further down the road perspective. So she seemed like a natural person to ask. And so that's kind of how the team came together. 
how did we agree to make it all work? Well, in the earliest days, and this lasted for a while, we had an extremely active Voxer chat, the four of us, me and you, Mm -hmm. Kelly and Laura. We talked in there all the time. We were literally figuring it out as we were doing it. And we would all listen to the show. We would all give notes like, why don't we try doing this differently? I didn't think this sounded that great. What can we do about this? Or these questions really worked. More of this kind of energy. It was a place where we would just all be really honest and give really good feedback and try to make the show better every single week. So I think that's how it kind of came together. And we really, really came together as a group, as a team. I mean, we've never had a contract. We probably should. We've talked about it. We're... <laughs> Kelly and Rebecca and I are very strong P types in terms of personality. So we live in the world of possibility, not necessarily taking action. So we've never had a formal contract. Yes. I'm sure do that as people we say, not as we do, have a contract <laughs> yes. for everything. If you are in yes. any kind of business arrangement with anybody, regardless yeah. of how close a friend you are, have a contract. Do we have a contract? No, no, no. We don't have a payment contract. We don't have an exit agreement contract. No. We don't have any kind of contract about who owns things. I mean, Meg owns everything, but can I pull things out from what I've said on the show and use it on my social media? Uh, We don't have a contract for anything. (laughs) All the lawyers listening are going to be sliding into our DMs. The lawyers and the HR people are like having absolute strokes right now. Like, <laughs> no, what are you doing? <laughs> but I think it's okay. We're going to be fine. And I'm a doom and gloom thinker. And like, we're going to be fine. Yeah. Laura left and it was fine. We're going to yes. be just fine. <laughs> yeah, we made it through. Yeah. I mean, truly, in a lot of ways, we are kind of still figuring things out, but we just have so many years of rhythm and routine and understanding and all kinds of things. I mean, a lot of things have happened in the past seven years. You and I have both had babies. We've both lost pregnancies. We've had major losses in our lives. We've had, you know, Kelly's had some job stresses. Things have happened in our personal lives that I think just over time, we've just a really important ethic for me is that this is a Women created show made by women for women. And my perspective has always been we take care of each other first and all of the show stuff will fall into place and that'll all work out. I mean, to get that in writing would probably be good, but yeah, we have not done that yet. (laughs) It's okay. It's all going to be okay. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so Lacey says, here's a real OG question. I remember in one of the first episodes, you mentioned that you originally had a different name for the podcast, but Rebecca advised against that name and you went with Sorta Awesome. For some reason, I've never forgotten that and I've always wondered what the original name was. (laughs) Okay, now you may have to help me remember this because we both have lost a little sleep since then. As I remember, I was going to call the show The Front Porch Sessions. Does that feel right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I have it in my notes. Front Porch Sessions. (laughs) I am amazed that you can remember that. I barely remember that. Oh, it is stuck in my mind pretty clear. I think I'm a pretty, like, easygoing. I mean, no, I'm not easygoing at all. 
But I had some big feelings about front porch sessions. <laughs> now, do you yes. want to say what it was that you were going for? Like mm-hmm. what that represented for you? Because that I understood. Yep. That felt yes. good to me. Tell the awesomes what you were going for. Well, as I finished up writing my blog, which was called Sort of Crunchy and originally was about natural family living, already by the time I closed my blog, I had outgrown that. And I was much more interested in the concept of community and the idea that when you're reading someone's blog, that it's like you come over and you're just sitting on their front porch and you're just chatting. And so I wanted to carry that vibe over to the podcast. I wanted to create a mood to create an energy that was just two friends sitting on a front porch and they've got an iced tea or some other kind of beverage and they're just talking and just catching up on things. So I had floated that title out to everyone. This was before we even had a group chat. I was having these conversations with, I was having one with you, one with Kelly and one with Laura. So (laughs) bless your heart. I remember the day that you're like, so, hey, I've created this group chat. So I think this (laughs) might be easier for us. And oh my word. So I floated that name out to you and you're like, "Mm, yeah, I don't love it. (laughs) Okay. The concept behind it, I really, really loved. But something about the word sessions, I just could not get over that. It just felt uh, boring. I don't know. I couldn't (laughs) get by it. Couldn't get past it. I really didn't like it at all. So I remember really pushing Meg to explore using the word sorta, but she didn't want to. You didn't want to because you really were trying to separate yourself. You're like, hey, I'm closing this blog. This is not who I want to be right now. I want to be something different. And I was like, but even the word sorta, like you can't like br- just bring that over. Do you remember? I suggested sorta with a lot of other words. And I don't oh, remember yes. what all of them were. But I do remember I said, what if you just called it sorta? And you're like, just sorta? I was like, yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. the sorta podcast. The sorta podcast. Come on. <laughs> Get into it. Sorta awesome. You came up with that. And it was so good. So good. What would people be called? What would our quote-unquote fandom be called? What would the awesomes, the awesomes equivalent be if it was front porch sessions? The seshies? The the porch swing? The porch swingers? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That could have taken a whole different turn if we'd gone with swingers. The the porch swingers. I love it. Oh my gosh. It's so crazy because I genuinely think that the awesome just came from the fact that you've heard me say it a million times on the show. Like I say awesome a lot and I don't know how or why it came to me to be like, well, what about sort of awesome? I don't know. It's brilliant. But I thought of it and then this was history. So brilliant. I love it. Okay. Carrie asks, how far out do you plan the topics? How do you decide who co-hosts? How did Kelly and Rebecca become co-hosts? We touched on that some. Yeah. And yeah, she's just curious about how people join the team. So Okay. We all came together. I can't even remember how. Obviously, in the beginning, there were three co-hosts and that left us a space for to do something different. So we experimented like I did way back, like in May of 2015, I did a solo show that didn't land as well. I think that it began to be... Even from the beginning, people were tuning in to hear friends catching up. Then we would bring in guests. 
So we had a pretty solid rotation from the beginning that every co-host would have one episode a month. And we've really continued that for the most part. I mean, again, people have babies, people have deaths in the family. We adjust as needed. But for the most part, the co-hosts have one episode. And then now we have our regulars, which has been so awesome. And I love so much Katie, Julie, Emily, and Mindy coming in with their very specific topics. That has been one of my favorite things we've developed in the past year or so. But how do we plan the topics, Rebecca? How do we do it? (laughs) (laughs) It's usually somebody texting like the, you know, the recording's coming like, do we know what we're talking about? Like, this is all over text. Like, do you have any ideas? What are we talking about? (laughs) Okay, we have some amazing strengths. And then we have some weaknesses on the team. And (laughs) Meg and I, bless our hearts, but planning an editorial calendar is something Mm -mm. we struggle with so much. Kelly has this producer mindset and she tries, oh, she tries so hard to like rally us together and come up with a schedule or like a vision for the quarter or the year. And sometimes, sometimes we pretend like we're going to have like a vision for the year or the quarter. But oh my goodness, we are just not so great at an editorial calendar. We're not. And I particularly We're bad. I feel like one of my biggest weaknesses is trying to figure out what to talk about in an episode. I don't know why. I feel like I never have anything to say. So if anybody ever has a request specifically for a Rebecca oriented show, please send it to me because I truly I never know what to say. I never know what to say. Well, I'm trying to think back in history. You know, Laura, when she was part of the team, she's a J-type and just very like she's very orderly. She's an Enneagram one. She definitely brought a lot of structure. We used to have pretty much weekly meetings during that time. And we would talk about how are we doing social media? How many downloads did this episode get? And we would kind of generate topics and we kind of had a pipeline going. That's not to say that we always knew what was coming up, but we had a little bit more structure to the idea pipeline. And I mean, truly, I am always of the mindset, like whatever you are into, whatever you have energy for, whatever you get excited about talking about, that's the direction we need to go. And so I kind of do like to keep it a little bit open. I am very strong P-type, so I don't like to be nailed down to details and those types of things. I like to live in possibility, but that does get stressful sometimes. Honestly, it really does because I'll look at the editorial calendar and I'll be like, "Um, I have no idea what's coming up. So it's kind of a miracle this show gets made every single week, but we've been doing it for seven years. So (laughs) it's incredible. It's incredible. Okay. What everyone wants to know, Meg. So many people asked when, if, how we will meet and how we maintain our friendship outside of the show. So, so many people have not been around. If you have not been around for very long, I have a huge bomb to drop on you. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody else knows. But guess what? If this is news to you, Meg and I have never met. I also have never met Kelly. I also have never met Laura. I've never met Emily or Julie. I've never met anybody. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So do we have any plans to meet? I mean, no. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now we're invested in it. Now we're like, now we simply cannot meet. I'm so sorry to tell you. 
it can never happen at this point. <laughs> I will never use that pizza stone and I shall never see Meg face to face. People ask us this so much. And in the beginning, it was kind of like, oh, that is kind of weird. Like we got to make this happen. And maybe there was a little bit more like, how can we make this happen? But truly, you and I just had a great conversation on Voxer about this just between the two of us. It doesn't even occur to me that we haven't shared the same breathing space, been in the same physical space because we have spent so many hours in conversation. As much as you can be face-to-face on screen, on Voxer, we have talked so much. You are truly one of my dearest, dearest friends on this planet. I feel like you know so much about me. I know so much about you. We know about our family lives. We know about friendship dynamics. I feel like our lives are really, really intertwined. And sometimes I kind of forget that we haven't been together in person in the same space. Yeah, I almost never think about it. Yes, I think other people think about it way more than we do. (laughs) So I bought tickets to see Harry Styles in September, and I am traveling to Austin, Texas to see him. And when I put that out on Instagram stories, I received a flood of messages from people being like, oh my goodness, are you going to see Meg? And I was like, oh, like I hadn't even, I didn't even Does think Meg about Meg live in Austin? Uh, she doesn't live in Texas. So I researched it a little bit. Meg and I have been talking. If the traffic is bad, which it kind of, I'm learning it can be notoriously bad. It can take like up to eight hours mm-hmm. to get from Oklahoma City to Austin, Texas. Now that's closer than what we are right now, but it's also like not close. That's like somebody in Nashville saying to somebody in Southern Michigan, hey, I'm in Nashville. Should so we meet close. up? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're so close. And no, you know, Michigan is not very close to Tennessee at all. It's eight <laughs> hours away. So I don't know that it's going to work out. Yeah. And it's not because we secretly hate each other. It just no. isn't. It just, that's just not very convenient. <laughs> Do you think, I wonder if there's like conspiracy theories out there, like in some like, oh my gosh, awesome community. Okay. So (laughs) do you listen to normal gossip? Are you the one that, did you text me about this? The normal gossip fandom episode? I love that podcast so much. So many people texted me about the podcast famous episode of normal gossip. If you listen to it, (laughs) if you know, you know, so many people messaged me about it. Let's put a link in the show notes. It's, oh, I will. I will. Part of that episode of Normal Gossip. There's a podcast that is so popular and their fans love it so much that there is a fandom around it and people (laughs) people write fanfic for these real life podcasters according to the story of how it goes on Normal Gossip. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, part of this sort of awesome fandom is there's like, (laughs) there's these fic writers that are like, Meg and Rebecca secretly hate each other. Let's write about it. Oh, Oh my gosh. I do believe in my heart of hearts, somehow, someday, some way it will work out. I do want now that we're, God, please help it to be true that we're kind of starting to leave the worst of the COVID pandemic behind us. I very, very, very much want to have some kind of big, sort of awesome meet up somewhere, somehow, some way, like a whole thing, a whole community gathering. So maybe it'll happen in that context. Maybe we will do a team retreat somewhere. I mean, when I think back, if you look at 2019 back to 2015, because 2020, obviously not many people traveling and going and meeting with people, but so much happened in our lives 
again, you had a baby, I had a baby. So many things have happened that precluded us from really being able to figure out how do we make this work to spend time together in person. It just hasn't worked out yet. And so I'm of the belief that's going to happen in just the right way and just the right time. And it will be wonderful. But truly, it's not like I don't think it's going to take our friendship to a next level because we already are so close. I don't know. That's kind of where yeah. I am. I, oh, so I, how do we maintain our friendship outside of the show? So the sitting down to record with each other, like that's just one part of our friendship. We are on Voxer. We do text. We send each other TikToks. We check in with each other about things. We have a normal friendship. <laughs> And I would say that the Voxer thread with the entire team, that these days, even more than we are talking about actual sort of awesome business-related things, we are doing relationship check-ins with each other. Like, how yes. is everybody doing? What's going on in your life? And it's more yeah. of a social than even a business. Like, there's definitely a huge part of the, our chatting yeah. that happens behind the scenes that's dedicated to just seeing how everybody's doing. Yeah, that's true, because it's me and you and Kelly and then Lori Lynn, our social media director, and Sarah, my producer. So, I mean, again, if you just think of the vibe of a woman-run company, that all of us are very relationally oriented. I mean, it kind of makes sense that mostly when we're chatting, we're talking about life stuff. So there's that. All right. We have, guess what? Even more questions about the impact that running this podcast has had on our lives over the past seven years. Some really, really good questions I cannot wait to get to. We're going to get to all of those when we come right back. Okay, friends, as you know, and as we've talked about, we all have so many things to manage and trying to oversee and manage your kids' nutrition can be a little overwhelming at times. And if you think you can just supplement with vitamins, well, typical children's vitamins are basically just candy in disguise. Some of them are filled with two teaspoons of sugar. There's unhealthy chemicals. There's gummy junk that growing kids shouldn't be eating. And that's why Haya was created. Haya is the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. And Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste that they love. In addition to super charging it with all of the vitamins that kids need. It's also non-GMO. It's vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. Now, I'll be the first to admit my kids have grown up eating gummy vitamins, so I was a little skeptical about how much they would like Haya, but I'm happy to report my kids are totally into it. They love the flavor, even the picky ones, and I love the incredible supplement to their nutrition that they're getting. So we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to receive 50% off of your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to hyahealth.com slash awesome. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash awesome and get your kids the full body nourishment that they need to grow into healthy adults. That's hyahealth.com slash awesome. Okay, friends, it's time once again to talk about the app that has totally changed my life and our finances, and that is Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, and the ones you simply forgot about. On average, users save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Here's the thing. You guys know companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel 
your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. They also offer a Truebill concierge who is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. We have been using Truebill for over a year now. I cannot believe how much money we've saved. And I love that Truebill keeps on catching new subscriptions when they get signed up for. Whether it's me, Kyle, or one of the kids, Truebill does not let those new subscriptions go unnoticed. And it is so easy to just open the app, cancel it in one tap. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash awesome. Go right now. Truebill.com slash awesome. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash awesome. Okay, we are back. We have some more questions from the awesomes as we dig into the listener mailbox. Rebecca's sitting in her recording studio slash closet. (laughs) (laughs) I am also in my bedroom because my house is so old. There's not a closet one in our whole house that I could fit into and bring my recording gear in. So I've got my own little weird setup going here. But we've gotten so many great questions that we have even more that we need to get to. Rebecca, what's up next? Okay, Jen asks, what does a day in the life of Meg Teets look like? What did it take to build this podcast and this community? You seem to have a good work-life balance, but I'm curious if you feel like you've sacrificed things you didn't want to in order to accomplish what you did. Okay, those are really good questions. This got real serious. (laughs) Day in the life. I mean, of course, we're in summer, so things feel very chaotic. Thankfully, Nico is still in daycare. His daycare runs year round or else I can promise you we would have to take a summer break because I get nothing done when he's home. But during the school year, when we have all of our systems in place, especially now that I've started homeschooling my kids, I do, or my twins, two of my kids, I homeschool. So I, you know, I get up, I do a lot of family stuff at the beginning of the morning, including getting the twins starting on their homeschooling. Kyle helps me so much. He's his main thing during the school year is he does a lot of the drop off and pick up stuff, which keeps me from spending so much time in my car on the road, taking people places and picking them up. So, you know, I do a lot of family stuff. And then in the center of the day, the middle of the day is my main work time. So this is when I'm prepping agendas. I'm working on ad copy. I'm recording. I'm recording ads. You guys, recording ads takes, that's probably one of the biggest surprises. And I've been doing this for a lot of years. It takes me so long to record ads and edit them, get all of the copy points in. They're consistently longer than they should be. Ads take a lot of time. But yeah, in the middle of the day, I really am working on sort of awesome. By about three o'clock, I'm transitioning back into family life. So on the day-to-day, I do think I have good work-life balance. I do not record in the evenings and I do not record on weekends. That is a boundary that I put in place for myself a long time ago so that I could feel like I do still have a little bit of downtime, family time, those types of things. Now, big picture, I do, I don't know if I have good balance mentally, because I'm always thinking about the show. I'm always thinking about upcoming episodes, possible topic ideas, thinking about awesomes of the week. I have to have an awesome every single week. (laughs) So I do a lot of mental work on the show, even if I'm not sitting down behind my laptop or behind the mic. I've worked through a lot of things. I worked through what was supposed to be my maternity leave when Nika was born, because we had gotten dropped by our podcast network right before he was born. I worked through the miscarriage I had last year. I was working as my mom was sick, literally at her bedside, getting stuff loaded for the show. So I think if you ask my family, 
I don't know if they would say I have great work-life balance, but that's also probably because I don't have great time management. So I end up doing a lot of work when maybe I wish I had a little bit more downtime. So I don't know that I would say I feel like I have sacrificed things, but it does, it takes a lot of time. Like this is pretty much in a lot of ways, like this is a big, big chunk of my life and I love it. And I'm so thankful for it. Over time, I have not been as hands-on involved with the community stuff as I was in the beginning, simply because, you know, like family life and just having time to explore things to bring to the show takes time. So I don't get to be as hands-on involved in the community as I used to be, but I think it's okay. I think our community is so amazing and so awesome because it basically runs itself. We are such a self-monitoring community that it doesn't take as much, nearly as much as one might think to run a community as awesome as ours is. It's very true. I would say for myself, the, the only thing I feel like I may have sacrificed in being part of Sort of Awesome would be my website and my blog, Simply oh, Rebecca. Yeah. And something that I've tapped into with being part of this team is really realizing that the way that I work best is when I have outside accountability. And mm. that's been my reality for ever and ever. Amen. When I was doing blogging and it was just for me, I would let things slide. I'm continuing to like let things slide, not meet goals or expectations that I had set for myself. But I'm always here recording with Meg when I'm supposed to be here recording yes. with Meg. Yes. There's outside accountability works so much better for me. And then because of that, then, you know, the energy that I'm devoting to Sorta Awesome has diminished some of the energy and time that I have for Simply Rebecca stuff. Now, I don't necessarily see this as like a negative sacrifice rather than more of a investment in what we're doing with Sorta Awesome because I'm just so proud of this work and thankful to be part of it. I don't know what Simply Rebecca would look like, the website at least, and like I guess that personal brand. I don't know what that would look like without Sorta Awesome. I don't necessarily mm. think it would be better. I don't think yeah. it would. So yeah. I don't know. But that's one thing that I would say is I'm not investing. The time I'm investing in Sword Awesome is time that I'm not investing in other work stuff, but I'm okay with that. I get that. And I understand we all have limited amounts of energy to give to anything. Last year, I had the opportunity to put in a book proposal to write a book and I submitted the proposal and immediately I was like, I can't do this. It's not that I don't want to, but I kind of also didn't want to, but I just, I can't. I had to have a very, very real come to Jesus meeting with myself <laughs> and just be super honest about how much time and more importantly, even than time is energy. I love Sort of Awesome and I was not at a place where I was like, yeah, it's okay. I'll kind of put Sort of Awesome on the back burner and write this book. That's not where I want to put my energy right now. So I totally get it with the website. And I, I know that has been challenging for you to think about what you could be doing and how you want to develop things for Simply Rebecca. But then again, we just, we all have a finite amount of energy to give. So I totally understand that. Yeah. So how have things been different than you thought it would be or even better than you expected? I think it always takes more time than I think it's going to, but definitely better. Like when people, I'm such a words of affirmation person. So when anybody you know, just says like, this was a great episode. Thank you for this conversation. Or you changed my life with this recommendation or this episode topic changed my life, which we've certainly had some of those through the years that people are like, 
you don't understand. When you had this conversation, a light went off for me. I realized I needed to do this or pursue that. That's the most rewarding thing I can think of. It's so humbling to me and so incredible. And I am so grateful. So in so many ways, doing this work is way better than I could have dreamed of. And I think that's why I just keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah, I would say ditto to all of that. And also, it's so much fun to have the freedom to talk about whatever it is that you're excited about, which is something that you have always granted me. And I think before in some of the online work that you and I both did as individuals, there's this pressure to like narrow in on a specific Mm -hmm. topic for like search engine optimization, you know, for Google, like you need to have the specific focus and don't go outside of that. And then I have so much freedom to talk about whatever it is I'm obsessed with. And then by the magic of the internet, it brings people to me that are excited about it too. And it's like, it's just, it's just amazing. I love it. I absolutely love it. Katie wants to know, how do you balance social media usage for business slash personal reasons without totally losing your mind? Well, this is a great example (laughs) of how I have had to realize I do have a limited amount of energy for social media. That's why we had to hire Lori Lynn, not had to, got to hire Lori Lynn because she's really good at it and she has great insight and that has alleviated so much of the bad feelings I had around social media because I cannot do both the sort of awesome accounts and my own personal accounts. I can totally trust sort of awesome to Lori Lynn and then share whatever I want to on my personal accounts whenever I want to without feeling pressure. So if like I'm really excited about something, like when I was watching Stranger Things season four, yeah, I'm going to be talking about that. But then if there's a couple of days, like when I have COVID and I don't feel like it and my energy's down, then I don't post and I just don't even worry about it because it's just whatever I want to do. And it has brought so much freedom to my life to outsource the work that I would love seeing done for Sword Awesome that I just know I'm just never going to be that. Social media is not my strong point. It's just not. And so to find somebody who's part of our team who can do it has been amazing. Now, you, Rebecca, are really good at social media, I think. Your Instagram is so fun. It's so entertaining. It's so personal, but also so engaging. I'm wondering if you kind of feel the same way. Like, do you feel it's too hard to think about Simply Rebecca's social media and sort of awesome social media? Or where are you on this? Well, it was a big relief when we hired Lori Lynn, for sure. That took some of the the pressure off 100%. I don't know. I don't think I see it as much of a conflict in my mind. Now, one thing that you had offered me was more of a paid position to Mm -hmm. manage more of our affiliate marketing attempts. Yeah. And I did turn that down because I felt like that would kind of muddy the waters too much in my mind between just the debate of, well, there's this good promotion. Do I push for it more on Sort of Awesome or do I push for it on Simply Rebecca? If I put it on both platforms, does that feel icky to followers that follow me on both? I just was like, ah, that's going to complicate things a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I opted not to do that. But I don't know that I have much of a balance with social media in general. I think I consume too much. (laughs) So I don't think I don't think I have any words of wisdom on that. But kind of related to this, Grace wants to know, 
how do you deal with your DMs? I message both of you on the regular and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Does that get overwhelming? I think you handle this a lot better than I do. And that's because I'm bad at messaging and messages just in general. (laughs) I know you're thinking of my email inbox numbers right now. I know you are. Stop judging me. What did you say before we hit record when you brought this up? You said something like sometimes you'll see messages like, oh, yes, or months after somebody sends you a DM. Well, if it goes to like one of, you know, both on Facebook and Instagram, there's folder or whatever. Yes, yes. yes. Those are the ones I feel really bad about. I don't always check those. It's usually spam. And then I'll check it and someone will be like, hey, I loved the episode today. Can you tell me more about this? And it'll be like three or four weeks old. And I feel so bad about that. Sometimes it surprises me too, even though I give my social media in every single episode, sometimes it surprises me when people DM me and they're like, hey, you know, just something about the episode on my personal accounts. And I don't know why it surprises me because I'm a weirdo and I'm bad at social media, but I do like it. It's so fun too, because so many closer connections have come into my life because somebody did reach out and DM and wanted to talk more about this and we like really connected. So I feel bad whenever somebody has messaged me because they wanted to talk about something related to the show and like, I really missed it. Like I just literally missed the message. But at the same time, 99% of the time, I'm so glad that I found the messages and I don't know. To clarify more of what Meg is saying is if we don't follow each other on social media or if you have never sent a DM before, your message gets filtered into, especially like on Instagram, a request folder. You're Mm -hmm. requesting to DM us. It doesn't show up in our regular DMs. Right. So we have to go into that special spot. And sometimes we don't get notifications for requests that are in there. Right. A lot of times they're spam. So it takes like an extra step to find those messages. So I think that's why Meg is losing them. Yes. I don't think I tend to lose messages very often because I am kind of obsessive about my DMs. I reply to DMs, I think, pretty promptly. But one thing I will say is I think I get far fewer DMs than people assume that I do. I've had people say, thank you so much for taking the time, or I'm sure you're getting flooded with messages or questions about this. And I'm like, no, I'm not, but thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get messages, but unless I am sharing something on Instagram stories that sparks a huge conversation, I would not say that I get completely overwhelmed with my messages. Yeah. Now, one thing that Instagram offers is a option to shorthand, like a canned response. Mm -hmm. I can type in something. And it will like auto populate a longer message. Right. And I can use that. I tend to usually just use that, though, for if I'm answering questions about an affiliate program or like a specific deal that I'm sharing on my social media. But that's one way that I can use to kind of help manage any chaos that happens in the DMs. But I would say it's not that chaotic for me. So Katie wants to know, how do you balance your personal beliefs with building a brand? Are you ever embarrassed or flattered by finding out an in real life friend has heard something on the show? Hmm. Okay. Where to start? First of all, when I am just living my regular life, I just pretend like (laughs) I just pretend like sort of awesome. It's just lives in a different universe (laughs) because I would never and I mean, literally never want to presume that one of my friends heard me say something on the show because look, we all have a limited amount of time. I don't even know which friends regularly listen. 
So I will just pretend like if even if it's something I just said on Sort of Awesome, I'll just pretend like that didn't happen in conversation. And so if friends bring something up to me that I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I've ever been specifically embarrassed, definitely have been flattered. And I will tell you a handful of times people have stopped me in public to be like, oh, my gosh, I'm an awesome. I love this show. It almost always happens at Trader Joe's. How and why? I don't know. Maybe that's just like the awesome <laughs> gathering. It's the it's the watering hole for all the awesomes. Those are the times when I do. I feel embarrassed. I just feel embarrassed because it catches me off guard and I feel shy. And then, then I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I feel shy <laughs> when people recognize me in public. But I don't hate it. If you see me in public, please do introduce yourself. <laughs> But if I act it awkward about be. it, that's why. <laughs> yeah, but it's almost better to say something in the moment than to send a message later and be like, hey, I saw you at Trader Joe's. And then you're left anxiety oh, driven thinking, oh, yes. my goodness, what was I doing? Was I like getting short with my kids? Did they see me like scratch my butt? Like what in the world was I doing at Trader Joe's? <laughs> I can never scratch my butt at Trader Joe's because I never know who I'm going to run into there. <laughs> Well, I have definitely been embarrassed. I had somebody at a mom's group at my church. She came up to me and, okay, so she previously was Amish, so very conservative religiously. And she mentioned to me that she looked up Harry Styles on my recommendation. And I can't explain why, but I was like mortified. I was, (laughs) I was just mortified. I did not like it. And then I've also had my husband's employees talk about following me on social media. And that gives me all kinds of like icky feelings where I want to, I feel this need to explain like, you know, that's my job, right? Like I'm not just thinking that everybody's just dying to know what I'm making for supper that night. It's like, I don't know, like it's my job. Like, you know, it's my job, right? I can't even talk about it without feeling cringy. You're literally... If you had on pearls, you would be clutching them. Like you are literally clutching your shirt right now as you're talking. I didn't know you felt that, I don't know, awkward about it. Well, something about a casual acquaintance or like my husband's coworkers. Sure, yeah. Saying to me that they follow me on social. I just want to be like, okay, but you know that it's not just my personal Instagram. It's like more than that. Like, I don't know. I just, I think we all have that person that we know in real life that acts like an influencer online, but they're not an influencer. And people have weird feelings about that. And I'm like, listen, you get it, girl. Share more. I want to hear everything. But then there's people who are judgy about it. I don't know. I'm just, I'm feeling uncomfortable just talking about it. And then I had my cousin's college age daughter send me a message wanting to know the title of a smutty book that I recommended. And I was like, no, that's hilarious. I said, number one, you should not read this. Number two, you did not get this from me. Here's the title (laughs) of the book. Number three, don't you dare ever tell your mother (laughs) that I gave you this book recommendation. Oh, my gosh. That is hilarious. I love it. I mean, I think that kind of ties back into the beginning of Katie's question, like, how do you balance personal beliefs with building a brand? I think it's very tricky for anybody who's online, unless you're specific Part of your brand is you share spicy opinions or hot takes, or you just speak to news items. Like if that's part of your brand and part of who you present yourself as online, then I think obviously that makes sense. 
I do think that it's always tricky when you share something that's a personal belief that might be controversial or divisive that especially when you when your actual job like ours is is positive and empowering and uplifting and all of those things that it gets very sticky and I don't think I balance it very well because I'm so non-confrontational and I avoid controversy so much that I usually just don't dabble in it at all. I think there is this pressure to say something about all the Mm -hmm. things like whatever the hot thing is is in the news there is this pressure to say something. And sometimes I do. And sometimes it just doesn't feel like the right environment for that kind of conversation. And I don't know, sometimes I overthink it. Sometimes I probably should have thought about it more before I said whatever I said. But yeah, that can be tricky. I know that I've turned down opportunities with other brands or sponsors or whatever affiliate programs for things that didn't feel like they fit me or fit yeah, for sure to talk about. So there's always the freedom to do that. If I could have an anonymous place to kind of like play around on the internet and be guaranteed that nobody in my real life would ever find it. Oh my goodness, that would be so much fun. (laughs) We have talked about that legit, you guys, actual conversations about how we wish we could figure out how we could be anonymous, like on TikTok or somewhere where we could just be completely transparent, completely authentic no matter how shocking it might be. And that wouldn't be the repercussion (laughs) into our other work or into our family relationships or those kinds of things. I do think that that is one of the weird drawbacks of having a more public job. Like I definitely don't feel like I can be 100% authentic, even on my personal social media. I just, I don't know. But if I could do it anonymously... I I can do an anonymous post in the Hangout. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Jennifer wants to know what episodes moved you the most? Oh my gosh, there's so many. This is so hard to pick from in terms of things that actually like really moved me. I think any of the episodes that we've done that have dealt with mental health have been very important to me and been very moving to me. It is still an extremely vulnerable thing because there's still so much stigma in our culture around mental health issues. It's very vulnerable to talk about depression, anxiety, and those types of things. When you, Rebecca, did our conversation about grief years and years ago, that was very moving to me. I think we both cried on that one. You know, looking back, some of the others that stood out, like when BT Harmon came and talked about his work with Blue Babies Pink, again, this was years ago, and how to have coming out conversations with people that you love or with your children. Episode 99, which was how to talk to your kids about sex. It didn't move me like an emotional one. I think the response to that was very moving to me that so many people were like, thank you, I needed this. This was so helpful. There's just been so many. I feel like I look through the list of our episodes and I'm like, how can I ever pick which ones moved me the most? There's so many great ones, so many great conversations that we've had here. Do any stand out for you? Well, you mentioned two of them. The first two that came to my mind was episode 99, mm-hmm. leaning into the squirm, how to talk to your kids about about sex. I just felt like it was such a needed and poignant conversation. The response to that one was so good. Again, it wasn't like emotional, but it was it really met this need that I think I had as well as many other awesomes. And also episode 137, conversations about coming out that 
he just did such an amazing job of bringing Jesus and love into a situation mm-hmm. that many people living in a bit of a heterosexual bubble, like myself included, might not feel equipped to know right. how to have those conversations. Those were the first two that came to mind for me. I would say the episode that I have felt the most vulnerable in recording was sharing my faith journey. I forgot to look up the episode number for that one, but we'll put it in the show notes. That was hands down one of the hardest things I've ever done on this podcast. It probably the hardest thing I've ever done for the podcast was tapping into some of the hurt and anger towards God that I had for so long and being able to figure out a way to represent and honor that story in a way that I hoped would be helpful to others. I felt so vulnerable about that, Meg. I'm not sure I ever shared that on my Mm -hmm. personal platform. I was at the stage where I was putting updates about the podcast on my blog in my newsletter. And I never wrote a blog post about that one because I just like, I don't know, I just couldn't. It just felt like so raw and vulnerable for me. So anyway, those are those are the three that really stood out for me. Yeah. Corey asks, looking back, do you have any regrets about the show or things that you wish you hadn't said on the air or behind the scenes? Can you think of something you said, believed or recommended on the show that you've done a complete 180 degree turn on? Okay, well, I'll start with that one. I can think of a couple of things. I'm sure there's like some deeper issues that I could talk about, but they're not coming to mind. What what the some things that are coming to mind? I remember specifically, this was probably in the first year of Sort of Awesome that Laura Tremaine and I were talking about books. And I said, I mean, I'll read anything except probably like a romance novel. (laughs) (laughs) And now that's like 95% of my readings. So (laughs) I was wrong, everyone. Yeah, little things like that. I remember when you and I a long time ago did an episode about YouTube culture and I was like, I just don't watch YouTube. And now I watch YouTube all the time. <laughs> Let's see what else. I feel like there's another example. I'm sure that there's other things that if I went back, God forbid this and whatever happened and listened to through the archives, I'd be like, oh my gosh, that was either dumb or I just didn't know yet. Or boy, that's changed. Yeah. I don't know if I have yeah. anything that I would say I regret saying on the show. There's some things I maybe would have said differently. And maybe I just said things just out of ignorance or whatever. But I don't know that there's anything that I'm like, oh, I would like to take that out of the archives kind of thing. Well, what about speaking you? of YouTube, we had a conversation and I think it was exclusive to the superstars. Yeah. And superstars. it was all about I was filling you in on what was happening, what was trending, what was going on in the world of YouTube. And I can't remember what year this was. It was a couple of years ago. And there was this major historical event happening in the world of YouTube where the most subscribed channel, the channel is called PewDiePie, he was being like overtaken and was projected to be number two by an organization. And it was like a huge deal because PewDiePie had had the number one number of subscribers for years and years and years. And not only was it a big deal that he would be bumped down to number two, but it was a really big deal and quite controversial that he was being overtaken by an organization versus a traditional individual type of YouTuber. Right. And I brought this conversation to you and to the superstars because I was like, this is historic. This is like a 
big deal. And this is what everybody is buzzing about on YouTube. And I brought a lot of excitement to that conversation. <laughs> yes. And it was not met with quite as much excitement. <laughs> we received a handful of complaints because we were talking about PewDiePie. And he had been in the news for some problematic videos mm -hmm. and comments that he had made. Some of it completely justified. I mean, how many people have seen a YouTuber do one of these? I'm sorry about what I said yes. in the past. I, you know, I'm, yes, I now yes, know better. Yes. I'll do better. So some of it justified. Some of it maybe not. But there was this reputation that he had kind of in traditional media mm -hmm. of being very problematic. So the idea that we were presenting this as something like awesome or to be celebrated right. was questioned like Rebecca this isn't maybe so awesome what are you doing now I regret that I didn't frame that more clearly that I was not recommending I mean I ne first of all I never brought up PewDiePie as an awesome of the week no. nor would I have ever <laughs> yeah during that time or now he is not the type of content that I particularly enjoy nor would promote as an awesome of the week I simply was really fascinated by this shift that was happening in YouTube right. and how viral this competition between these two channels had become. It was so much so that like people were hacking into printers and causing printers and office buildings to print off, subscribe to PewDiePie. I mean, it was huge at the time. I got some flack for that. And I understand why. And I wish that I would have framed it more given more background and maybe said more about, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if the most subscribed YouTuber was less problematic? Like yes. That would, that would make this entire <laughs> conversation that much better. So I don't know if I fully regret having the conversation. It still was a very historic moment in YouTube history. But I, I, I guess I wish I would have clarified more mm, mm -hmm. uh, my personal thoughts and opinions on PewDiePie and his content. And I regret that it was offensive yeah. to others that we were talking about that. That's, that's probably the biggest thing for me. And I do remember that that definitely, I think, caught you off guard. Just because, like you said, that wasn't the intent of what you were talking about, but we could see how people might have been picking that up. I've talked on this between the Superstars feed and here hundreds of hours hundreds and hundreds of hours. I'm sure if I really thought about it, I'd be like, oh, I regret that I said that or whatever. I'm sure there have been times that either I was called out or should have been called out. But that's just part of having a public facing job. And so it kind of comes with the territory in some ways. And thankfully, our community is pretty awesome about how we handle those things. So Okay, Sarah wants to know, does the Sorta Awesome team have any long-term goals or objectives for the podcast? I don't know that I could re be really specific about for the podcast. I do genuinely, and I mentioned this earlier, but I do want to figure out how we can make more connections happen amongst the community. That has always been something so fulfilling to me, something that I just feel so passionate about is awesome's finding each other. And so one thing that I did that I did back in 2021 that I love so much was the cohort. And I wanted to get that going again, because I, that was such a great small group experience. I need someone to come in and manage the logistics in my life to help me figure out how to do all of this. 
But I would love to see Sword of Awesome become more like IRL, more like concrete, more how can we make this happen where people are meeting each other and turning online friendships into something that is more personal to them. So I don't know what that looks like. But when I think about the future of Sword of Awesome, that's something I would love to see happen is to take that community aspect to the next level. What about you? Do you have thoughts, dreams? Or are you just like, I don't even know what my next episode is, let alone a long-term goal? <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> Listen, I don't know what my so next true. episode is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but you're right. I'm just along for the ride. I am just along for the ride. And that's part of the joy of being a co-host is that I can just be along <laughs> for the ride. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah, I don't know. Because part of me is always kind of thinking, you know what? Sort of Awesome might not be here in, you know, X number of months or years. So let's just enjoy it while it's here and be part of it while I can be. And I'm not really good at goals in general. So no, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> My brain just doesn't tend to go that way. So I'll let you struggle with making all goals. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for putting that on my plate. No, I really do. I would love to see more development happen beyond the podcast and our online community. I just don't know what that looks like yet. So, okay, I'm going to ask you the last question that is from my friend Grace, who I know likes to message with you as well. She wanted to know, Rebecca, on a scale of one to Julie Chen, how are you feeling about the Big Brother premiere? Now, that's one thing I have not changed my mind on. I've never been into Big Brother through all these years. Do you still love it? Are you feeling excited? I still love it. And I'm very excited, except I think it was on last night and I missed it. So it's on my, well, I have it recorded, I think. So we are making the controversial choice, perhaps, maybe not, to let our kids watch it this year. We haven't ever let them watch. I don't know. Don't DM me if you think that's a bad choice. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch, but I haven't started yet. I already missed the first one. So, Mm. but from one to Julie Chen, I'm a Julie Chen. Except that I missed the first one. So that's not very. (laughs) I was going to say full Julie Chen, maybe like Julie Chen adjacent at this point. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Oh, my goodness. This was so much conversation. And you guys. These were just the questions you gave us about Sort of Awesome. Believe me when I tell you, you have some other fantastic ones that we can't wait to get to. So come back in August, because now, for once, Rebecca and I, we do know what our next episode is. It's going to be part two of the Listener Mailbox. You guys have been so generous with your questions. Thank you for that. Rebecca, if people do want to find you to DM you, to question your parenting choices, to do... To check out your other work, where can we find you all around the web? You can find me at simplyrebecca.com. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram, especially Instagram stories. And you can find me there at simplyrebecca. Okay. You can find me at sort of awesome Meg and all of the places. If I don't message you back, please don't take it personally. I am a messaging idiot. You can find this show at sort of awesome wherever you are on social media. We would love to have you join us there. If you are talking about the show on social media, don't forget to hashtag Sorta Awesome so we can find you there. You guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.